Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. About that, but we're glad that you are here today. Um, you know, I, I said a phrase uh, uh, last week as we started this that I think sets the tone for everything that we want to share this month of September. And Bill Heibel said it a number of years ago that the local church is the hope of the world. And I would say to you today at Real Life, I hope that you believe that to be true today. Can you say yes with me? That the power that God wants to put in you and in us together is something that is more than desperately needed in our culture, in our society today. And I want to share just a few more thoughts on what the power of the church is all about and and what is so significant, why real life needs to exist, why the church of Jesus Christ needs to exist as well. Again, we tell you almost every Sunday, if you want to follow along a little bit more, a lot of my notes will be on the app right now, So, uh, and we're going to keep them on all week. So not only can you follow a little bit more in depth with me here this morning, but again, maybe just some thoughts as uh, you think about it through the week as well. So if you want to get your app out and follow along, but I want to talk to you a little bit more about why I love the church and maybe even more specifically, why do I love my church? And I hope that you can share a lot of things about what the church means to you today. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Um, We're going to unpack a little bit about what Paul taught the early church and, and how it sinks and how it relates to the mission that God still has for us today. Ephesus was a city. It was part of the the, the journey, what we would call the missionary journeys of Paul, as he was beginning to establish the church, the early churches that we read about throughout the New Testament. It's kind of something interesting if you're not super familiar with the Bible, but the latter half of the book of Acts kind of gives in detail a lot of those journeys that we read about later um, in the New Testament. So you'll read about Ephesus and Paul's journey there and then we read a whole book that he wrote to the Ephesians and we find that later in the New Testament. So you get to parallel a little bit, read a little bit of Acts in the beginning story and then read what was it that Paul wanted to say not only to the church there but to you and I today. It was the headquarters for uh, trade and culture and religion. It was a strategic hub in the world at that time. And it was a favorite stop for Paul. He ended up in Ephesus a lot on his missionary journeys. And I think one of the big things of why Paul would say, I love the church. I love the church at Ephesus. We read this in Acts chapter 19. For they heard the gospel. I want you to know, why does the church need to exist? Because there still needs to be a place that is going to proclaim the gospel. Say amen with me today. Of Jesus. It's going to be a place where we know that the salvation message, that the truth of Jesus is going to be shared. They heard the gospel preached. They believed and they turned away from their idols and ungodly practices. Listen, 
When people hear the truth of the gospel, when they are encountering the love and the strength that comes from people who know Jesus, something transforms in their life. That people walk away from their old ungodly life and have an opportunity to turn into a new life that God has made available to each and every one of us. If you were to read through the book of Ephesians, here's a couple of things that you would find. It not only helps you and I as a believer in who we have become, the, the, the journey that, that we get to walk in becoming a fully engaged follower of Jesus. The book of Ephesians talks about the position of the believer, that he takes us uh, out of the, the mud and the dirt, and, and he gives us the opportunity to stand upon the power of everything that Christ has done for us. But it also talks about how and where our faith is built. And I'll give you only one guess about where that takes place. The book of Ephesians says that our faith is built upon Jesus Christ through the work of the church. And so it's important that we realize that these verses help us not only as a believer, but collectively as the family of God today. Listen, I love the church. I love my church. But I recognize today that maybe not everybody does. Maybe not so, there are people that, that are not able to say that. And, and maybe some of you at somewhere in your journey, you recognize that maybe people become frustrated by what they perceive as maybe a, a lack of love or concern that, that they missed out on whatever church that they were attending. Or maybe they, they saw through the internal politics, kind of the, the behind the scenes of the, the nitty gritty of the workings of the church. And, and maybe that has turned some people off. Maybe there was a lack of vision and they realized, man, that this, this body is just not going anywhere. Or there was an inability to connect. Like we just don't feel like, like this is home or this is a place for us. Or maybe people have a relationship or a friendship that went sideways. And so rather than kind of pushing through, it was just easy to, to walk away. Or maybe it was because it was the color of the carpets. Or maybe the air conditioning was just too cold. Or maybe the lighting was just too dark. Or there wasn't enough Boston cream pies at donut hour. Or they have drums. Can you believe that? The pastor wears jeans at that church. A visitor sat in my seat. A volunteer at the parking team asked me not to park in the handicapped parking space because I wasn't handicapped. <laughs> 10 o'clock is too late. I'm not coming. 10 o'clock is too early. I'll never make it. Now listen, none of that has ever been said at real life in these 14 years. I just Googled what do people say about their church. So you can rest assured that has never happened. None of those have ever happened here. Charles Spurgeon, maybe some of you that have been in the church for a little while have heard that name. He pastored Metropolitan Tabernacle back in the 1800s, a mega church for the day back in London. They would say at times 10,000 people would show up. It was before video screens and light shows and microphones and whatever, that people were hungry for the gospel, much like we read about in Ephesus, that they, 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 they longed to hear the gospel being preached. Here's what he said two, almost 200 years ago. He said, give yourself to the church. 
You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all. And the moment that I did join, if I had found one, I certainly would have spoiled it. For it would have been a perfect church after, it would not have been a perfect church after I became a member of it. But still, listen to these words with me today, church. Still imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible also give themselves to the Lord's people. How else is there to be a church on the earth? Last week we talked about Matthew chapter 16, that on Jesus, that the church would be built and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those words almost 2,000 years ago, and at times we find ourselves in the church still struggling, still at times the, the great commission that God has placed on all of our lives, and yet down through the centuries we realize that there are those that have been committed to this dearest place. There are those of you that sit in these pews today that have committed yourself to the dearest place. Imperfect? Absolutely. But again, impacted by what the power of the gospel can do in your life, in my life, collectively in our life. To those who are still far away, that they can be brought into this family of God. I think we all understand that we are a collection of imperfect people, but God is still willing. I hope you can say amen to work with us no matter what. That the call of our hearts and our lives is, is that we, though imperfect, are still desiring to do the work that God has placed on our life. Let me read a little bit more from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. It says, and he, speaking of Jesus, Paul helping this church to recognize what, what the church, what the foundation is truly built on. It says, and he, he came and he preached peace. It's really another word for hope and salvation and plan and purpose for our life. He came and he preached peace to those who were far off, and he also preached peace to those who were near. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access to the one spirit and to the Father. You see, the hope that we have for the world today, the hope that the local church is the hope of the world is because of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it has changed and transformed each one of our lives how it all fits together, and how it forms the church. There's just a couple of things that I want to unpack with you this morning. I think it's important that we hear that it's the gospel, it's the power of Jesus that has the ability to bring peace, to bring hope and salvation to those that are far and to those who are near. You see, while Paul was in Ephesus, he realized that there were a lot of Jews in the church. There were those that... That, that didn't know Jesus as Messiah or were still waiting on the hope of what was shed back in the days of the prophets that one day that, that this Messiah would come. And, and this testimony that Paul was preaching was revolutionary to them. Although they were the focus of, of God sending Jesus, the hope of these people coming to know him, they realized that, that as a people that they were still tied much more to the things that they do rather than what has been done for them. They were then and still today religiously working somehow to get to God. 
to understand this value that had been placed on them. But what the Bible teaches, not only to us in Ephesus then, but to us today. And, and it's kind of a strong word that we have to understand this morning. But religious activity, separate from relationship, is hostility towards God. You see, if we try to add anything more to what Christ has already done for us, I want you to hear these words, that it's hostile to God. God is kind of saying, do you understand what you're doing? You could do no more. You can do no more. I want you to know that, that God doesn't love you, could never love you any more than he loves you right now. That is the hope of the gospel. How good, how bad, how middle of the road, the love and the power of God has the ability to clean us, wash us, bring to us sonship and daughtership to know that we are valued by the king. You see, for those who struggle in understanding that there is nothing more that reconciles us to God, and, and if we try to, to, to add things, God says, listen, that's hostile to everything that I already have done for you. You're, you're taking back what I have graciously offered to you today. And so it's Jesus, it says, who preaches peace, who brings this hope of salvation to those who may be caught up in religious activity or lack this wonderful relationship with God. It saves us from us trying to save ourselves, amen? It helps us to understand today that I could do nothing I could do nothing more. I could do nothing to recognize everything that God has already done for me through the power, through the work of Jesus Christ. Some of you, you are saved. You were, you were near, right? And we still realize that, that we needed Jesus. I mean, some of you, mom and dad woke you up on a Sunday morning. They, they laid out your clothes and, and they made breakfast and, and coming to church on Sunday morning was an event. Some of you could look back in your life and think of the blessing to know that as a family, although maybe somewhat hectic on those Sunday mornings, but it was an event to get everybody together in the car and make your way to church. Some of you grew up in Sunday school. You went to youth group. You, uh, you had badges for your Bible memorization or you got a little trophy for perfect attendance come on somebody shout at me here today right you remember all of those things you started learning Greek in the fifth grade so you could challenge your pastor on what he was preaching and talking about right you were near you understood what it was like and yet in the middle of all of that stuff that was done for you that somewhere along the line, maybe in Sunday school, maybe in youth group, somewhere Jesus legitimately got a hold of your life and he saved you. And some of us can look back on a testimony, not of kind of being lost in drugs in the world, but our testimony is being grateful and thankful of everything that we were kept from. That we were able to walk a journey and path and we look back that man we're so blessed to be near but yet even though we were near and mommy and daddy did everything for us there was a moment where I still needed the gospel. I still needed to confess that I needed Jesus and we look back to say God thank you for being so kind to me. There were others of us that were near-ish. How many know that? You were near-ish. Mom and dad took you to church but 
but maybe there wasn't a real understanding there, maybe of what relationship with Jesus was all about, what grace or forgiveness could really do. And maybe we just got caught up in all the activities and, and all of the things that, that, that were just buzzing around us. And, and although the activities were good, it just it kind of left us dry or maybe a little empty on the inside. That we began kind of thinking the church was just going through the motions, was just kind of checking off the boxes. Like, I did my deal, and, and yet we found ourselves doing church on Sunday, but then kind of doing my stuff through the rest of the week. And then just finding that pattern, playing itself out over over and over again, but yet somewhere along that line, some things changed, and you recognized, hey, it's not about the stuff, it's about the who, it's about him, and Jesus started to become real. Maybe you were in your 20s, and you were kind of living your life, and, and you had a little background to kind of pull into, and, and when the world started to go crazy, we remember the, the Bible says that when we raise up a child, and we train them, that when they are young, that they will not depart from it, and some of those things that, that, that we heard the pastor talk about, or my Sunday school teacher just kind of begin to tell me about those wonderful Bible stories, when all the world was in chaos, it was amazing how the grounding rod of the gospel centered me again and I began to find this longing I need to get back to church I need to know that there was a place it's it's amazing how many young couples that when they start to have little ones and start to have kids and you know maybe they were kind of they were not walking with Jesus for a while they were kind of sowing their oats and doing their thing but it's amazing that once they start to have kids they recognize man it's crazy world out here and all of a sudden, we're kind of brought back. I need to get my family back to church. And somewhere along that, we recognize that there was hope for me, that God, God created a pathway. I want some of you to hear me today whose background, like your journey was kind of more of a zigzag. Some of you, a straight line journey to Jesus. You were near, and, and God just kind of operated a, a highway, a pathway. Some of you, it was kind of a, a treacherous, zigzagging mountain road. But somewhere along those twists and turns, the light of the gospel challenged your soul and your heart again. And God was able to bring you back into his glorious grace. Paul realized in Ephesians that not only was talking to those who were near, who the gospel was just kind of put on a plate right before them, but he was also talking to a lot of Gentiles, people that for the longest time had no thought, had no idea of Jesus. I mean, it's so common for us today, but they were living it in real time. And they might have heard about a guy being crucified, but they had no idea of just how impacting the story could be to them. They just didn't grow up in it. They just had no understanding. And so Paul was sent to the Gentiles. That was his mission. When we read that second half of Acts, we realize that God opened the door. Somebody say amen today. That God, for, for those who were exclusive, that God made the pass open for all of us to come in. And Paul, God gave Paul the express mission to go into all of the world and to be able to preach this gospel. And I know that there are some here today that when you hear that the gospel spoke peace to those who were far. That maybe more than anything else, whether you could whisper or you could shout, thank God. Thank God that he saved me today. Some of you look back to say, Pastor, maybe even some of you here this morning would think that you're far from God. That maybe you say, hey, 
Like, man, I, I, I enjoy your passion. I, I hear what you're saying, but, but man, my heart, my heart doesn't beat like that. Like, like, I don't know what it is that you're talking about today. I didn't grow up in one of those homes. Mommy and Daddy didn't get me up for church or, or, or pack my clothes to get me ready for Sunday morning. In fact, some of you, maybe when you woke up on a Sunday morning, maybe Mommy or Daddy weren't even there, or maybe at best they were passed out on the couch from a hard, long weekend. And maybe that journey to get to the gospel, to get to Jesus is part of a story that you don't know at the beginning. You have no idea what church patches are all about. You don't know what a sword drill is. You don't know what getting a perfect attendance trophy is in Sunday school. You're like, you're like these Gentiles in Ephesus. You're like, Pastor, it's like it's going over my head. Like, what is all this church stuff? You see, there's a couple of truths that I want to give you as we finish this morning that, that I hope you will hear in your heart this morning. To those of you that might have that story, maybe that was your story, maybe that is your story today. I want you to know that the power of the gospel, the love of the church is alive and it's here for you today. Maybe you got caught up in addiction, in the lies of this world. Maybe it was just about pleasing yourself. Maybe there was some thought that there was some missing piece of your life, why there was still emptiness, even though everybody was parting and everybody was laughing, but when all of that had ended, there was still an emptiness, still a sorrow in your heart. Maybe no one told you that it was, you're just missing what real hope, what real love was all about. You're missing what, what Jesus can do in your life. Maybe all you knew was that the church was judgmental. They were just people who just wanted to figure out all the faults and all the things that I were doing wrong, and that would probably be the last place that I would ever show up. And yet for some, and maybe some of you here today, in the middle of all of that, in the middle of your hurt and your pain, somebody somewhere along the line, loved you enough just to tell you a simple story or maybe a simple invitation about the love of Jesus and the power of the family of God. And some of the most radical and amazing stories of people who needed peace to be spoken into their life amidst the hostility of where your life, amidst the chaos that would have been your testimony and your story, and somebody brought peace into the midst of your storm. You know, if you've been around real life for a long time, we talk about our water baptism services being one of the highlight services of our year, and one of the reasons are is because we get to hear some of these real life testimonies. People that were far from God. People that felt they had no hope, that it works for other people, it just felt like it would never work for me. That, that so-and-so had advantages, that someone had a direct path, but, but my path was a mess, my path was a mistake. It seemed I couldn't take one step forward that I was taking two or three steps backwards. And yet then in the midst of my mess and chaos, Jesus became real. That somebody stepped into my nightmare. Somebody stepped into my hopelessness and began to show me what the real love of Jesus was all about. Not judgmental. Not that I was wrong and they were right. Not that my mistakes would define me but just simply this understanding that we're just a bunch of imperfect people 
but just grateful that there is a God who can speak peace to those who are near and to those who are far. Come on, some of that the Lord with me today. And maybe there are some of you here today that feel just exactly that. Maybe you haven't got it all figured out about what, the, what is the church. Like, is this just ritual? Is this just routine? People just kind of put this onto their schedule for Sunday morning. No, it's way more than that. See, Jesus came and died for the church. Jesus came to transform and change and to bring peace, hope, salvation to those who were near. And come on, somebody, to those who were even far away. So what God does as we read about it today is through the work and through the person of Jesus Christ, take those who are near and those who are far, and he makes them into the people of God. The Bible calls that, today we call that, the church. You know, over my years, I kind of have to, I guess, chuckle and yet somewhat cry at times where I hear people saying they don't need the church. The church is a fallacy. I, don't, I, can, I, I, I can do my own deal. I can, I can live for Jesus. I can do it all on my own. Listen. Paul gave his life. Jesus gave his life for the church. Paul spent time, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was broken down, and yet he continued to take the gospel around the world. He planted churches everywhere he went because he knew the hope of the world would rest in the life of the local church. And so today that mission still permeates for you and I today. Paul says this to the Ephesians that goes along with this idea that, that, that we're, we were outcasts or, or we, we had no hope, no way except through Christ. He said that we were aliens and strangers. Now often for us in America today and kind of in the 20th or 21st century, I think when we hear that terminology that we were aliens, right, our, we automatically think what? Like kind of, right? Right, And we're trying to take, like, what is it that Paul was talking about to the church and make it real? Well, it's because we don't live in that Eastern culture and what was happening in the world then. But although we are starting to live in a world uh, here where it is becoming much more identifiable. You see, what Paul was talking about, that we were aliens and strangers, was not talking about something from outer space. Really, the concept and the context is we are refugees. We're living in a land that's not ours. You see, we're living in a time right now where this idea of refugees, immigrants, is in our national news every day. It's something that America is dealing with today. Now we get kind of the picture when we move it from space aliens to this idea of refugees. You see, what Paul was telling the Ephesians, and for you and I today, is that we didn't have the right to possess citizenship in heaven. As good as you think you are, as pure as your family line that you might be able to trace, none of it would be good enough to get you to heaven. And for people that are trying to work, 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 as much as that is a failure, for those of us that are trying to rest on our laurels to think, well, because I'm a good person, because my grandfather, and, and they built the church, and they helped originate the church, and all those kind of things, in the very same way, that's going to get you nowhere. 
We didn't possess the right to be called the family of God. And so once again, God did for us what we did not have the ability to do for ourselves. That he came and he died, not only for our salvation, but to instill within us through the mission of the church that we be the hope to the world. That through Christ now we are granted access that we become citizens of heaven when we ask Christ to come into our life. We were sojourners, we were aliens, we were strangers. And yet in the midst of all of that, Christ came and he spoke peace. Can you say amen today? He spoke peace to those who were near and to those who were far. And he brought us together and called us his people and we became the church. That's why I can declare to you today that I love the church. That I love this church. So let me give you these two things and then we're going to do just something a little bit different to finish this morning. You see, what I want you to hear today is that the church is not a place, it's a people. It's another kind of misconception that most of us grow up with, that, that it just kind of gets passed down from generation to generation. When we tend to think about the church, our first focus and our thought is much more about the building, about all the ministries, about all the programs, about all of the things that it does to facilitate people. But it's really just the opposite. The church is not the building. The church is the people. Listen, this is just a building. Can I maybe hurt some of your feelings this morning? There is nothing special about this building. Now, there's a wonderful history, and you've heard the incredible miracle that allowed us to get this building. And it's a part of our real life story. But to be quite honest with you, it's got to stop at being a building. The fact is, is that what God is truly building and what he wants to build is us. That the church are people. Listen, if I've already offended you, can I go just a little bit further and just offend you a little bit more? See, I want you to understand that I grew up in church. I was one of those ones that were like super near. My dad was my pastor. Like I didn't have a choice. Some of you that struggle, at least you had a choice in going to church. I didn't have a choice. And I realized, I think certainly respectful and tradition and, and certainly even more back then, it was about the church and about the building. And yet, obviously today, we hear people kind of flip out a little bit if somebody brings a coffee or brings a bottle of water into the sanctuary. Or we flip out when after church, our little kids kind of zip and run through the, run through the pews or they jump up here on the platform. Listen, I get it from our respectful attitude but when I consider, listen, I'd, I would rather have our kids run around in the house of God, right, than end up running out on the streets of Erie. So I want you to know my background is that it's not that we have chaos, but there's got to be a line that we recognize that it's just a building. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? 
You see, when, when little things happen over the years, I've heard people like, this is the sanctuary of the holy God, uh, right? And I get it, but here's the rub. At times, we're so adamant about protecting this building, but we can be terrible at protecting God's people. See, we don't reach out, we don't invite, we don't build up, we gossip, we tell stories. Oh, does Pastor Jim know about that? Yeah, Pastor Jim knows about that. He hears stuff. We offend. Hello? Hello? You see, there's this rub. Do we really want to protect this building? Or do we want to more protect this people? You see, that's really where our heart, that's where the heart of the gospel is. Listen, it isn't carte blanche that we just defile or run through this building and all those kind of things. And I'll never stop you from correcting your child for running through this sanctuary, all right? But I want you to know that are we as impassioned and strong on the other side? Listen, I'm, I'm not going to beat you up or kind of pull a fast one on you. But when you hear about life groups, they don't necessarily meet here at the church. They're not a lecture format. They're a chance for you to really share your heart and your life together. And for those of you that don't give a second thought about joining a life group, you're missing the point of the gospel. Listen, our life group should be full. They're out there for you to sign up on the app or out in the hub. They should be filled by the time service is over today. You see, because I can hear you kind of amen and mumble about the church, but if you aren't committing yourself to the people of this church, then, then I doubt, like, how much are we really in it? That's what we're all about. That's how we want to share our life. You're like, yeah, but some of these people in real life are weird. I don't know what I want to hang out with them, like, in their home. Listen, that's the unfortunate, imperfect part of being a part of the church, Right? Listen, I'm not as cool as you think I am. I'm kind of weird too at times, right? We all have it. So does it take a little bit of risk? Absolutely. Sometimes two negatives make a positive, right? So let's keep our thought on the mission. So again, it's not the building, it's the people. Let me give you this number two. The church must always be biblically focused. Here it is very simply, that we are out to seek and to save the lost, and we're here to disciple the found. You see, once we come into a relationship with Jesus, the idea then is that we have a purpose to help one another grow in the things of God. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 says this, his intent was that now through, if you see the word on the screen, say it with me, that now through the, okay. So you can't do it at home, you can't do it by yourself, you can't be like the church of one. It says that now his intent was that now through the church, what? The manifold wisdom of God might be made known, not only to those here on earth, but to those in the heavenlies as well. You see, this goes back to Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, when the church is strong, 
when the church is whole, when the church is impassioned and moving forward, that Jesus, his desire is to use the church to display the manifold wisdom of God and let it be known in all of the world that the church is the hope of the world. Amen? Listen, I know that we all have kind of maybe our story of real life for the last 14 years. I'm going to invite my daughter and my wife to come and join me just for these last couple of minutes because no one knows the story probably more than the three of us. You know, we were in Harrisburg and some of you that have been around for a while have heard the story often enough that there was something that God just moved upon our heart to, to move us from where we were back to a place that had some familiarity that, that was home for us. But yet the whole endeavor of, of planting a church was brand new to us. It was a major step of faith and a major risk. And we all had kind of a different approach about how this whole story came to play in all of our lives. And, and I've asked Deb and Joss just to kind of share a little bit. Many of you know, and I'm not sure that this is what they're necessarily going to talk about, but, you know, kind of on the big picture is that as this was taking place, that Debbie was diagnosed with cancer and ended up having cancer surgery, kidney surgery. And, and it, it took our family and, and turned it upside down. In fact, it was a struggle for Debbie to even get here for our opening Sundays because of, of what had happened to her physically. And then Joss and I had to move here uh, without Debbie, actually, because Joss needed to start school. She was going into eighth grade. And you've kind of heard a little bit of her story over the years about us uprooting an eighth grader, right, with all of her friends and her whole life intact and then thrusting her into people that she had no idea to a new school at such a pivotal part of her life. And so these were big parts of our story and challenges. And yet our story has remained for these 14 years that God has been faithful. That I'm glad that my daughter not only made it through school, but but still loves Jesus today and, and helping us. And that Debbie, that God helped her and healed her and, and again has continued to be such a wonderful partner for us. So we're just going to take a couple of minutes and, and just kind of reflect. I mean, this is our kind of fireside chat from our family to you, our family today, about how meaningful real life has been to us. We love the church and we love this church as well. So ladies, I don't know who's going to go first, but... Uh, not it. <laughs> As they say, nose goes, right? Oh, Joss, you lost. That's your, that's your deal. Oh, I'm not very quick. Um, yeah, I mean, the, this is always such, like, this time of year for me is, is just always so reflective. Um, you know, I, I'm always unsure, like, year to year, am I going to be there for year 10? Am I going to be there for year 12, year 13? Like, I don't know, you know, where, where God's going to take me. And so I really cherish these milestones. Um, I'm sure all of us do, but it, it is just for me, just the sense of like, look, I don't know what God has next, but I love that I can be here and I year after year get to look around this room and see so many faces that I have looked at year after year, but what I, and I love you guys, but what I love so much more is all of the new faces, the faces that I didn't see last year that are here, and then I'm filled with so much hope as to what year 15 is going to look like. Like, I pray that next year, 
you know, you guys that are in your normal pews are going to have to sit somewhere else because other people are filling it, people that have found Jesus and that have met Jesus through this house. Um, and that's always what this weekend, whatever the anniversary weekend falls on, like that's always what it is for me is just being so incredibly grateful for you guys. Um, you know, you've pretty much, you almost like stole all of what I was going to say. Like, you know, God's working because he pretty much said so much of what was on my mind like real life for me um, is is so much more than this this building. I mean, I, I grew up in it too. You know, I was one of those kids, Heather, like your girls, like running around. That was me, except I wasn't like six. I was like 13. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a different vibe. But um, yeah, it's so much, It's it, it is so people focused. Like all of my core moments, all of, you know, the, the major transition moments in my life, uh, took place with people that are either here now or maybe have since moved or or whatever. Like that's what that's what real life always has been for me. There's this song that I've been listening to all weekend. Um, some of you might know it. It's called Firm Foundation, and it it has been like my like like prophetic you know song over our church. The the chorus says, "Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken." I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. And that is for me, like when I think about this church, like the number one thing that, that has always been in these, these 14 years and that I pray fervently would continue is that the foundation of who we are, right? The foundation of, of what we stand on is not on man. It's not on this building, like you said. It's not on Pastor Jim and Debbie or the people that are running these ministries like right here in the now. The foundation has to always be on Jesus. That's the only foundation that, that we can put ourselves on. That's the only thing that has gotten us to where we are right now, right? I mean, people have, have come and go. We're, we're, we're lucky that our founding pastors are still here 14 years later. Like, that's a gift. There's not a lot of, you know, the average lifespan for a pastor in a church is probably like five to seven years max. So we've now doubled in the amount of time that would be average. So like that is that is such a great thing, but that time is fleeting. But Christ is not. Like his foundation is so firm. And as long as our feet are planted on that, then who knows what year 15 is going to look like, you know? Like I might not be here. They might not be here. But we, the church, will be, right? I mean, if, if our foundation is not on Jesus, then we might as well close our doors. Like, there's no reason for us to exist. And so I think that is, like, that's what fills, that's what's gotten me to where I am now. I mean, I'm grateful. There's been people that have, been, have played key parts, like I've said, but, but ultimately, my foundation has never changed. It's always been Jesus, and it's always going to be. That's the only way that I'm going to be able to continue, you know, in a life that is serving the church, a life that is serving people, because that's really hard sometimes. <laughs> Those of you that work with people, I'm sure you get it, but um, yeah, I mean, I think just for me, like, that is, that's, that's just been you know, fully just uh, filling my mind and, and my heart. And, and I wanted to share that with you so that, you know, again, when we blink and we're here again in a year and we're celebrating 15 years of a church, like I hope that you're there with me and that we're grateful for all of the new faces that we're gonna see, you know? Like I'm, I hope I see you. I hope I see your faces. But more importantly, I hope I see new faces. That's why we exist. That's my heart. That was what God 
totally brought to life in me as a teenager. Like, I, I want to serve, first and foremost, the kingdom of, of God, you know, until the day I die. But I want to serve his people, too. And, and that's, what's, that's what's gotten me uh, to where I am now. Yeah, I was thinking about how, um, when Jim was saying about share a little bit, and one of the things I wanted to really, like, as you reflect, you always reflect when it's 14 years or it's an anniversary or you're celebrating something. Um, there's always going to be some incredible moments, and then there's also going to be maybe some difficult moments that you reflect on. Um, the one thing that I have found is, um, and probably one of the questions that somebody has asked me many times, how do you know when God calls you? So God called us 14 years ago. And when God calls you to do something, what do you do in those moments? You see, that's really why we're here. You know, God didn't call us for Jim and I or for Jocelyn. He called us here for you. There's a reason why God works. God knows what we don't know. God sees what we don't see. And so in these years as we've traveled and there have been those who come and those who go, at the end of the day, God didn't send us here for us. He sent us here for them in that time of season of life. What we do with what God gives us is up to us. What we decide and how we want to live and surrender and commit our lives to him, it's not up to him, is it? It's up to us. It's up to you. What are you going to do with it? And that is what the lesson God has poured into my life and the confidence and the assurance of knowing that when God calls, how did I know he called us here? Because most of you know I didn't want to come here. <laughs> At least in the winter time. In the winter time. I <laughs> but when God calls, you know his voice. And I think one of the things that I always go back to is when my husband speaks to me or he calls me, when my husband sometimes will make a telephone call and try to maybe... Um, change his voice a little bit to try and make me think it's not him. Or my child may do that sometimes. Come on out there. Do you know when you know your husband's voice, you know it? How did we know we were called to come to Erie? Was it because of man because the assemblies of God credentialed us or approved us to come? Do you think that's why? Now, again, that's a part of it, yeah. But we were called by God. God is the one who orders our steps. God does. I knew it was God because I heard his voice. I spent time on my knees. I spent hours in his presence. I took the time to seek his face. And guess what? I know his voice. Mm -hmm. That's good. 
And so when God calls you, that's how you know. I never make a decision based on my emotions. Do you think Jim and I came here because we were excited to come back to Erie and we just let, even though I had cancer, even though we went through difficult times, whatever those stories may be that we all have at the end of the day, do you make a decision based on emotions or do you make a decision based on the calling and the direction and the power and the presence of our holy God? Amen. That's what we do. And that's why we're here. And that's why you're here. You're not here to walk through those doors to take. You're here to be equipped to give. That's why you're here. Because there are lives that are on the line. Just a few moments ago, as I walked back those doors, I was just told that an employee that was a part of ELC, who I knew who we spent presence with and, and time many, many times with, took her life last night. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's the work God calls us to do. Because there's broken people that need the word of God and the hope of God. And my heart is broken. But you want to know what I know that I know that I know. Is that she felt the love of God when she was here. that we were able to pour God's hope and promises into her spirit, into her life. So I want you guys to realize that God just didn't call Gemini and Jocelyn. He's calling you. He's calling you so that you can speak and bring healing and hope to those who needed to. And that's what I am learning year after year after year. Good word. Good word. Yeah. Need to give these ladies more than five minutes here, huh? You know, I think I'll just finish today when we think about, you know, as Debbie was talking about the people. I think that's probably the most impactful and as you've heard it today. And I just kind of give just this little quick illustration. You know, everything that has really happened at Real Life um, is because God was really good at bringing people, certainly at the time, that, that we needed it most. Most of what you see that has happened or transformed in this building or in its ministry were just the strategic parts that God was enabling people that just had the right skill, the ability, the talent. I was thinking about, you know, kind of our worship team and our worship night tonight you know, that's always a huge struggle, certainly in churches today, but in church plants, you know, it, it just tends to be, you know, like, it, it could be a, you know, a sixth grade girl with, you know, a guitar she got at Christmas, right? And it's like, 
hey, that's all we got. Like, there's only 12 of us, you know, like, we got to go with what we got. And, man, I'll tell you, over the years, God has just been faithful. There's, we just never had a need there. And so, you know, when we talk about our worship and the opportunity, I hope you know how blessed we are, right? And just that one area that God just continues to provide in such amazing moments. And whether it's projects around the building or things that God has just allowed people to just know what they know to be able to help the work of the church. You know, I thought about a couple of people here today. Um, you know, Heather is here on, on the platform today. Michelle is here and Larry. And, and they were actually kids way back in the day when Debbie and I were doing youth. And, and to think that we have a chance to kind of do grown-up church with them, like real church now, right? Like that, that, that we've had connection and relationship with people for so many years. And then I parallel that with seeing Tori up here today and Jocelyn and Bailey that, you know, when, when we were starting the church, they were these little 14-year-old punky kids running all around the church, right? And today, they how... They weren't punky. They how, weren't, you weren't punky, okay? <laughs> how blessed are we for this generation to be an active part of the church today, right? I mean, to lead us and to impact your students, I know Adriel's back in the cage, but your boys are influenced by a kid that got influenced by us, right, and by the story, and, and just kind of seeing it being replayed over and over again. That's why the church, I have no fear that the church isn't going to go forward, because the gospel is saving those to the uttermost. And listen, if you're near here today, you have a wonderful testimony to thank God of everything that he kept you from. And if you feel far from God today, I'm going to pray with you this morning that you have found a place that has desire, although we are imperfect and we don't always get it right, yet it is our heart and our desire to love you with God's love, to open up a roadway and a pathway for you to recognize that you can feel God's presence in your life, that your story of mess and disaster and struggle doesn't have to be that God can miraculously transform and change you, but it comes at the only cost of what Debbie said of you choosing, that I'm going to choose Jesus, that he will be my hope. Church, we love you. I love this church. Listen, of all of the people that we get to do church with, the reason why I wanted Debbie and Jocelyn to be here with me today is because I didn't want to do it without them, without my family, that they are blessed for me and they help me they are such strong proponents of real life at times when I feel like I'm packing it up forget this I'm out of here it's my wife and my daughter oh no you're not right that they realize that they are strength and they are hope in my life and with you today we love you we love this church we're glad to celebrate what it is that God has done so 